when you want to go after your dreams, when you want to go after something, when you want to do something, people expect you to be a millionaire like tomorrow. And if you're not, then obviously you're a failure. While going through life, sometimes we get in ruts. Most often, we live our lives how society and culture expect us to, towing the line. But it feels empty, we feel unfulfilled, and we know deep down there's much more to life. This is Unplugged Freedom. This is Unplugged Freedom. Life is not just a one-size-fits-all. We're here to offer you a new perspective on how you can create true freedom for yourself. No limits. No limits. No restrictions. No restrictions. You have passions and interests, skills and talents. It's time to dig, find them, and use them. Let's do this. He's here to help you get more out of life. Unplugged Freedom with Nathan Isaac. Yo, what is happening, guys? Nathan back once again with another episode of the Unplugged Freedom podcast. And in today's episode, we are going to do part two of The Alchemist, one of my favorite books. If you haven't seen the part one, I would say go back a few episodes and listen to the part one. This is where I am actually going to be reading the Alchemist book. And along the way, I'm going to be talking about the the different life lessons of what Santiago goes through. And you'll, you'll learn more about it if you listen to the part one, which is not too far, not too far ago. But today we're going to be doing part two. We're going to start off where we left off last time. So let's get to it. Let's jump right into it. And here we are. And the crazy thing is we're only 10% through this book. So second episode, 10% through this book. And so, yeah, let's get to it, guys. The horizon was tinged with red, and suddenly the sun appeared. The boy thought back to that conversation with his father and felt happy. He had already seen many castles and met many women, but none the equal of the one who awaited him several days hence. He owned a jacket, a book that he could trade for another, and a flock of sheep. But most important, he was able every day to live out his dream. If he were to tire of the Andalusian fields, he could sell his sheep and go to sea. By the time he had enough of the sea, he would already have known other cities, other women, and other chances to be happy. I couldn't have found God in the seminary, he thought, as he looked at the sunrise. Now, this is actually a very interesting paragraph. And what I really like is that Santiago, he doesn't own a whole lot. He owned a jacket a book that he could trade for another, and a flock of sheep. That's what he owned. Now, if you know anything about me, you know that I don't like to own things that won't fit into my car, that won't fit into my vehicle. And the reason for that is I just just like having that freedom of being able to just pack everything inside of my vehicle and go. I actually just came back from a couple weeks vacation and pretty much if, if the whole place here had flooded and, you know, burnt to the ground or whatever, I had everything that was important to me on my vacation and I could have lived without everything here. And so that's that's what I actually really like about Santiago is I, I believe that he is he's he's my spirit animal, you know? And so but most important, he was able every day to live out his dream. And that's what Santiago does is he just he's living. He's living out his dream. He's not waiting and, you know, looking at this destination that a lot of people do. He is living his dream. And if he died today, then it, then so be it. And so I actually really like that. It's, and then it says, if he 
were to tire of the Andalusian fields, he could sell his sheep and go to sea. And that's that's the same thing. What I really enjoy doing for myself is that if if I get tired of where I am right now, working the job that I'm working, I can easily just pick up and go elsewhere. But until then, I enjoy what I'm doing. And you know, I, I work a lot of hours. I, if, if, if they had me working 80 hours a week, heck, I, I would. And I'll take it whenever I can. And so, yeah, it's, it's very, life is much different when you have that freedom, when, you, when you're done with something and you can just move on, to, on from there. It's quite nice. And so by the time he had enough of the sea, he would have already known other cities, other women, and other chances to be happy. And so it, it, it's very true because when you move around like this, you you get to experience so much of life that for most people, life isn't too ecstatic, and but at the same time, life isn't too bad. It's just kind of in the middle. But when you do live a life like that, like Santiago, what happens is you you really get to experience the really high highs, but then also you experience the really low lows. And you have to take the bad with the good. You can't just always have good. Now, you can't avoid the bad, but you cannot, which means that you'll have to avoid the good as well. And that's where a lot of people stay is they stay safe. They stay safe in the place where they don't actually, they don't actually experience those really high highs. So they never really know true happiness, but they're safe because they never actually experience those really low lows. And so it's just like the old saying goes, the best way to save money is just never leave your house. And it's true. I just, like I said, I just came back from a couple of weeks vacation and the amount of money that I spent is just, you know, the places that I went out to eat, the things that I went out to do, the, uh, all different kinds of things. And now I'm back home and it's, it's back to the, back to the routine, you know, back to what I want to do. And what I want to do is I want to save money. I want to make money. I want to invest money, all of that stuff. And so yes, being on vacation is great, but also pretty sure I gained like 10 pounds. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I spent too much money than I should have, but it's it's all in good fun. Whenever he could, he sought out a new road to travel. He had never been to that ruined church before, in spite of having traveled through those parts many times. The world was huge and inexhaustible. He had only to allow his sheep to set the route for a while, and he would discover other interesting things. The problem is that they don't even realize that they're walking a new road every day. They don't see the fields that are new and the seasons change. All they think about is food and water. This to me, and it may not be to you, but this to me is kind of, and I kind of mentioned this in the previous uh, podcast about the alchemist, but this sentence right here, they don't see the the fields are new and the seasons change. All they think about is food and water. And this to me is kind of like a an underlying message talking about people in general. Because a lot of times people in general, they're, they're looked at as sheep. They just follow the herd. And so I, I feel the sheep in this story are, are a way of, of actually uh, symbolizing people in general. And that all they think about is food and water. They're just kind of going with the motions kind of deal. They don't really see the new fields. They don't really see the the seasons. They're just they're just doing the motions. And uh, like I said in the previous one, that there's I feel like this the talk about the sheep are are just a, an underlying thing of talking about society in general. And maybe maybe it may not be, but I I do gather that from that. Maybe maybe we're all that way. The boy mused. Even me. I haven't thought of other women since I met the merchant's daughter. Looking at the sun, he calculated that he would reach Tarifa before midday. There, he could exchange his book for a thicker one, fill his wine bottle, shave, and have a haircut. 
he had to prepare himself for his meeting with the girl, and he didn't want to think about the possibility that some other shepherd with a larger flock of sheep had arrived there before him and asked for her hand. And this is actually uh, very in 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 today's world that we have these these insecurities that you know somebody with a bigger flock of sheep will come along and but at the end of the day you know it's if if that's all it takes is someone to come along with a bigger flock of sheep in order to whisk you away then then what does that say about you right so it's a it's an interesting thing because it's it's very real in today's world it's the possibility of having a dream come true that makes life interesting he thought as he looked again at the position of the sun and hurried his pace he had suddenly remembered that in tarifa there was an old woman who interpreted dreams now the first part is very interesting it's the possibility of having a dream come true that makes life interesting it's a very good quote and this book is filled with a lot of good quotes and we'll definitely be stopping on a lot of them but it's the possibility of having a dream come true that makes life interesting this will actually we'll actually come back to this later on in the book when santiago meets meets a, another person who he works with and the the person that he works with kind of shares this this thing about his dream and so it's it's kind of interesting but we'll get to that but uh, it's it's a very good quote well, we'll definitely talk about it a little bit more later. The old woman led the boy to a room at the back of her house. It was separated from her living room by a curtain of colored beads. The room's furnishings consisted of a table, an image of the sacred heart of Jesus, and two chairs. The woman sat down and told him to be seated as well. Then she took the she took both of his hands in hers and began quietly to pray. It sounded like a gypsy prayer. The boy had already experienced on the road with gypsies. The boy had already had experience on the road with gypsies. They also traveled, but they had no flocks of sheep. People said that gypsies spent their lives tricking others. It was also said that they had a pact with the devil and that they had kidnapped children and taken them away to their mysterious camps, made them their slaves. As a child, the boy had always been frightened to death that he would be captured by gypsies, and this childhood fear returned when the old woman took his hands in hers. But she has the sacred heart of Jesus there, he thought. Trying to reassure himself, he didn't want his hand to begin trembling, showing the old woman that he was fearful. He recited an Our Father silently. Very interesting, the woman said, never taking her eyes from the boy's hands, and then she fell silent. The boy was, was becoming nervous. His hands began to tremble, and the woman sensed it. He quickly pulled his hands away. I didn't come here to have you read my palm, he said, already regretting having come. He thought for a moment that it would be better to pay her fee and leave without learning a thing that he was giving too much importance to his recurrent dream. You came so that you could learn about your dreams, said the old woman, and dreams are the language of God. When he speaks in our language, I can interpret what he sa has said, but if he speaks in the language of the soul, it is only you who can understand. But whichever it is, I'm going to charge you for the consultation. Another trick, the boy thought. But he decided to take a chance. A shepherd always takes his chances with wolves and with drought. And that's what makes a shepherd's life exciting. I really like that last little quote there. A shepherd always takes his chances with wolves and with drought. And that's what makes a shepherd's life exciting. Going back to my life and how I live my life. And I've very much, you know, you're, you're taking chances. And that's what a lot of people are afraid of is they're afraid of taking chances. There was actually a study done one time that people were given, they were given, just give me a sec, they were given a a um an envelope an envelope had they they didn't know what the envelope had but it was they were given the option to take an envelope 
or they were given an option to take money, a set amount of money. And they said, well, I don't know what's in that envelope, so I'm going to take the money. So they took the money, but they didn't realize, and they found out afterwards that they actually took less money because in the envelope, there was more, a lot more. And most people chose just to just take the money because it was the, the unknown that scared them. And they said, well, I know what's here, but I don't know what's there. So I'm going to go with this. And so that's how people are, is that they're, they're, so, they're so afraid of taking chances. And with Santiago, you know, he's, he's used to taking chances. It's just part of his life. And I've even talked about uh, different forks in the road, how to make big decisions in your life and how when the more that you make, the more big decisions that you make in your life, the easier it actually becomes. And then later down the road, when you're faced with these decisions, you're able to look back at all your experience. You're able to look ahead at what you would like out of life. And then you're able to actually make a really good decision from the two. And I've talked about this, how to make big decisions in your life. I'm pretty sure it's a, that's what the podcast is called, but I have talked about it. And so really, really good. But anyways, let's get going. I have had the same dream twice. He said, I dreamed that I was in a field with my sheep when a child appeared and began to play with the animals. I don't like people to do that because the sheep are afraid of strangers, but children always seem to be able to play with them without frightening them. I don't know why. I don't know how animals know the age of human beings. Tell me more about your dream, said the woman. I have to get back to my cooking, and since you don't have much money, I can't give you a lot of time. The child went on playing with my sheep for quite a while, continued the boy, a bit upset, and suddenly the child took me by both hands and transported me to the Egyptian pyramids. He paused for a moment to see if the woman knew what the Egyptian pyramids were, but she said nothing. Then, at the Egyptian pyramids, he said the last three words slowly, so that the old woman would understand. The child said to me, if you come here, you will find a hidden treasure. And just as she was about to show me the exact location, I woke up, both times. The woman was silent for some time. Then she again took his hands and studied them carefully. I'm not going to charge you anything now, she said, but I want one-tenth of the treasure if you find it. The boy laughed out of happiness. He was going to be able to save the little money he had because of a dream about hidden treasure. Well, interpret the dream, he said. First, swear to me. Swear that you will give me one-tenth of your treasure in exchange for what I'm going to tell you. The shepherd swore that he would. The old woman asked him to swear again while looking at the image of the sacred heart of Jesus. It's a dream in the language of the world, she said. I can interpret it, but the interpretation is very difficult. That's why I feel that I deserve a part of what you find. And this is my interpretation. You must go to the pyramids in Egypt. I have never heard of them. But if I, it was a child who showed them to you, they exist. There, you will find a treasure that will make you a rich man. The boy was surprised and then irritated. He didn't need to seek out the old woman for this, but then he remembered that he wasn't going to have to pay anything. I didn't need you to waste my time just for this, he said. I told you that your dream was a difficult one. It's the simple things in life that are the most extraordinary. Only wise men are able to understand them. And since I am not wise... I've had to learn other arts, such as the reading of palm. Well, how am I going to get to Egypt? I only interpret dreams. I don't know how to turn them into reality. That's why I have to live off what my daughters provide with me, provide me with. And what if I never get to Egypt? Then I don't get paid. Wouldn't be the first time. 
and the woman told the boy to leave, saying she had already wasted too much time with him. So the boy was disappointed. He decided that he would never again believe in his dreams. He remembered that he had a number of things he had to take care of. He went to the market for something to eat. This is actually uh, just a, an interesting spot there. You know, he has this whole experience with the the woman and, you know, she's just trying to tell him that if he goes there, he'll find a treasure, but he doesn't believe her. And then, because in the dream, it kind of tells him that already, but she's just kind of saying, this is true. You need to go there and you'll find a treasure, but he doesn't necessarily believe her and which is why he kind of gets upset at her. But then he says, so the boy was disappointed. He decided that he would never again believe in his dreams. That's a very interesting sentence. If, if you know what this book is about, if you've read this book before, that is actually a very, it's a very big statement because really the, this whole book is about believing in your dreams. And he decided that he would never again believe in his dreams. He remembered that he had a number of things he had to take care of. He went to the market for something to eat. He traded his book for one that was thicker. And he found a bench in the plaza where he could sample the new wine he had bought. The day was hot and the wine was refreshing. The sheep were at the gates of the city in a stable that belonged to a friend. The boy knew a lot of people in the city. That was what made traveling appeal to him. He always made new friends and he didn't need to spend all his time with them. When someone sees the same people every day, as had happened with him at the seminary, they wind up becoming a part of that person's life. And then they want the person to change. If someone isn't what others want them to be, the others become angry. Everyone seems to have a clear idea of how other people should leave their lives, but none about his or her own. This whole spot right here, this is there's a lot within this. It's, it's, it's a really good section here. When someone sees the same people every day, so you're thinking about how most people live their life. They, they have the same friends, they have the same spouse, they have the same everything, same co-workers, the same colleagues, yada, yada, yada. They wind up becoming a part of that person's life and then they want the person to change. Whereas when you're kind of going around, let's say you're traveling and you meet people, you don't necessarily want the person to change. You meet them and you have a conversation with them and you get to know them and it's this, it's this very interesting relationship. But if if you if that person's there longer, all of a sudden there becomes these things. And this is kind of how relationships kind of take a turn for the worse because, you know, in the beginning it's great, but then all of a sudden you start to see a little bit more of the quirks and a little bit more of the different things. And then guess what? You want that person to change or maybe they want you to change. And so it's actually a very interesting, uh, very interesting thing. Whereas if you are just meeting this person, then you're just getting to know them. And so you will just get to kind of get to know them and uh, you might, what would I say? Yeah, you just you just experience and enjoy that time for whatever it is. And maybe it's for a day, maybe it's for a couple of days, maybe it's for a couple of weeks, who knows? Maybe it's even for a couple of months. But then at the end of the day, they're gone. But you don't necessarily want to change them or they don't necessarily want to change you. Everyone seems to have a clear idea of how other people should lead their lead their lives but none about his or her own. <laughs> really fitting for this podcast, right? <laughs> have a clear idea how other people should lead their lives. But the thing is, is that I actually don't have an idea of how you should lead your life um, because that's it's your life. I don't know who you are. And that's what Unplugged Freedom is all about. It's just basically helping you to unplug from the system, basically to help you get away from the usual run-of-the-mill bullshit advice that you're going to hear out there and kind of help you 
make the best decisions that are for you, whatever they may be. And I always say, even though I don't want to have kids, even though I don't want to buy a house, even though I don't want to have all these different things, that doesn't mean that you don't want to, because that might be your life. It may not be my life, but it may be yours. So what I want to try and do is try and help you realize what it is that you want out of life and to go after that. Whereas a lot of people, they're telling you, you got to have kids, you got to buy a house, you've, you've got to be married, you've got to do this, you got to do that, blah, 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 right? Whereas I'm telling you the complete opposite. And I'm trying to help you, is that, is the life that you're currently living actually the life that you want to be living? And I question you on it. And at first you might say, yes, absolutely it is. I've always wanted to have kids. I've always wanted to buy a house. Yeah, but why? Where did that belief come from? And I, I bet that not many people have actually questioned you on that. Because I know that not many people actually question their own beliefs. They just have them. They never question, why do I believe this? And where did this come from? They just believe it. And maybe it's a lie that they've been telling themselves for so long that they eventually started to believe it. And they don't even realize that. So I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. I'm here to try and help you find out whether the life that you're currently living is the life that you truly want to live. And if it isn't, then try to help you figure out what it is that you want to do and help you go in that direction. And sometimes it might be easy. Sometimes it might be very difficult. You may have five kids already. You may have three husbands and two mistresses and all these other things. And you may be wondering, how do I get out of this life that I've created for myself? Because it's not what I want. And how do I get to the life that I want? Well, that's where I come in and try to help you with that. He decided to wait until the sun had sunk a bit lower in the sky before following his flock back through the fields. Three days from now, he would be with the merchant's daughter. He started to read the book he had bought. On the very first page, it described a burial ceremony, and the names of the people involved were very difficult to pronounce. If he had ever wrote a book, he thought he would present one person at a time so that the reader wouldn't have to worry about memorizing a lot of names. This is this paragraph I've always thought was kind of interesting because I've always thought it kind of, is he talking about like the book that I'm currently reading? You know, Santiago came in and then his father came in and then the, um, you know, is, is he kind of like talking about the book that you're currently reading kind of thing? Um, I don't know. It's just, it's just an interesting paragraph to me. When he was finally able to concentrate on what he was reading, he liked the book better. The burial was on a snowy day and he welcomed the feeling of being cold. As he read on, an old man sat down at his side and tried to strike up a conversation. What are they doing? The old man asked, pointing to the people in the plaza. Working, the boy answered dryly, making it look as if he wanted to concentrate on his reading. Actually, he was thinking about shearing his sheep in front of the merchant's daughter, so that she could see that he was someone who was capable of doing difficult things. He had already imagined the scene many times, every time. The girl became fascinated when he explained that the sheep had to be sheared back to front. He also tried to remember some good stories to relate as he sheared the sheep. Most of them he had read in books, but he would tell them as if they were from his personal experience. This is actually kind of a funny uh, <laughs> thing that he's telling these stories like he he read them. One, that's totally not like me. I never do that. Um, so even though I always say that, you know, Santiago is like me, that's definitely not me. However, I have seen people like this. They're, they're describing this life that they used to live or this whatever they used to do. And 
I'm thinking in my head, that was a movie. That was called Catch Me If You Can. Who the hell is this guy? Does he think that I've never watched movies before? (laughs) True story. She would never know the difference because she didn't know how to read. Wow, Santiago, you sound like a dick. (laughs) Just taking advantage of the poor girl. (laughs) Meanwhile, the old man persisted in his attempt to strike up a conversation. He said that he was tired and thirsty and asked if he might have a sip of the boy's wine. The boy offered his bottle, hoping that the old man would leave him alone. But the old man wanted to talk, and he asked the boy what book he was reading. The boy was tempted to be rude and moved to another bench, but his father had taught him to be respectful of the elderly. So he held out the book to the man for two reasons. First, that he himself wasn't sure how to pronounce the title. And second, that if the old man didn't know how to read, he would probably feel ashamed and decide that of his own accord to change benches. Hmm, said the old man, looking at all sides of the book as if it were some strange object. This is an important book, but it's really irritating. The boy was shocked. The old man knew how to read and had already read the book. And if the book was irritating, as the old man had said, the boy still had time to change it for another. It's a book that says the same thing almost all other books in the world say, continued the old man. It describes people's inability to choose their own personal legends. And it ends up saying that everyone believes the world's greatest lie. What's the world's greatest lie? The boy asked, completely surprised. It's this, that at a certain point in our lives, we lose control of what's happening to us and our lives become controlled by fate. That's the world's greatest lie. This is kind of an interesting paragraph here. And why that is, is because... I've always seen that people kind of when they're growing up, you know, as a kid, you're you're into these sports, you're into these things, you do this, you do that. There's all these things that you might do. But it almost seems like people get to a point where let's say they hit 20 years old and they're out of high school, they're out of whatever. But at this point, wherever they've kind of landed, that's where they'll stay for the next rest of their life. Have you ever met somebody who you knew from a long time ago? And you met them and they were the exact same person that they were back in high school. The exact same person that they were when they were 16 is the exact same person that they are now at 40 years old. I've seen this so many times. It's, it's so interesting. It's so fascinating. And it just seems like it's wherever they land, maybe after university, maybe after high school, what, wherever they land there, that's, that's it. That's as far as they go. And then from there, it's just pop out a couple of kids, work your job, buy your mortgage, blah, 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 blah. And that's it. It's just, uh, it's, it's, they're just running on auto, autopilot at that point. We lose control of what's happening to us and our lives become controlled by fate. It's just whatever happens, happens from here on out. And so that's just something that I see in, in, in life. That's for sure. That's the world's greatest lie. That's never happened to me. The boy said they wanted me to be a priest, but I decided to become a shepherd. Much better, said the old man, because you really like to travel. He knew what I was thinking, the boy said to himself. The old man, meanwhile, was leafing through the book, without seeming to want to return it at all. The boy noticed that the man's clothing was strange. He looked like an Arab, which was not unusual in those parts. Africa was only a few hours from Tarifa. One had only to cross the narrow straits by boat. Arabs often appeared in the city, shopping and chanting their strange prayers several times a day. Where are you from? the boy asked. From many places. No one can be from many places, the boy said. I'm a shepherd, and I have been to many places, but I come from only one place, from a city near an ancient castle. That's where I was born. Well then, we could say that I was born in Salem. 
The boy didn't know where Salem was, but he didn't want to ask, fearing that he would appear ignorant. This is just so normal. You know, people say like, oh, have you ever seen this? And people are like, yeah, 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 I've seen that. But you, you have no idea. People will ask you like, oh, do you know, do you know this person? And you know, you might reply, yeah, 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 oh, of course. Yeah, I know that person. But you have, you have no idea who they are because fearing that he would appear ignorant. And it's just something that like there's, there's these little things in this book that it just describes people to a T of what they do and how they behave. It's very interesting. He looked at the people in the plaza for a while. They were coming and going and all of them seemed to be very busy. So what is Salem like? He asked, trying to get some sort of clue. It's like it it's like it always has been. No clue yet. But he knew that Salem wasn't in Andalusia. If it were, he would have already heard of it. And what do you do in Salem? He insisted. What do I do in Salem? The old man laughed. Well, I'm I'm the king of Salem. People say strange things, the boy thought. Sometimes it's better be to be with the sheep, who don't say anything, and better still to be alone with one's books. They tell their incredible stories at the time when you want to hear them. But when you're talking to people, they say some things that are so strange that you don't know how to continue the conversation. (laughs) Once again, you know, talking about how people do things. This is very true. You know, someone says something and it's just, um, hmm, you're the king of Salem. Okay. All right. And you just kind of, you don't know where to go from there. Right. (laughs) My name is Melchizedek, said the old man. How many sheep do you have? Enough said the boy. He could see that the old man wanted to know more about his life. Well then, we've got a problem. I can't help you if you feel you've got enough sheep. The boy was getting irritated. He wasn't asking for help. It was the old man who asked for a drink of his wine and had started the conversation. Give me my book, the boy said. I have to go and gather my sheep and get going. Give me one-tenth of your sheep, said the old man, and I'll tell you how to find the hidden treasure. The boy remembered his dream and suddenly everything was clear to him. The old woman hadn't charged him anything, but the old man, maybe he was her husband, was going to find a way to get much more money in exchange for information about something that didn't even exist. The old man was probably a gypsy too, but before the boy could say anything, the old man leaned over, picked up a stick, and began to write in the sand of the plaza. Something bright reflected from his chest with such intensity that the boy was momentarily blinded. With a movement that was too quick for someone his age, the man covered what it whatever it was, with his cape. When his vision returned to normal, the boy was able to read what the old man had written in the sand. There, in the sand of the plaza of that small city, the boy read the names of his father and his mother and the name of the seminary he had attended. He read the name of the merchant's daughter, which he hadn't even known, and he read all the things he had never told anyone. I'm the king of Salem, the old man had said. Why would a king be talking with a shepherd? The boy asked odd and embarrassed, for several reasons. But let's say that the most important is that you have succeeded in discovering your personal legend. The boy didn't know what a personal legend was. It's what you have always wanted to accomplish. Everyone, when they are young, knows what their personal legend is. At that point in their lives, everything is clear and everything is possible. They are not afraid to dream and to yearn for everything they would like to see happen to them in their lives. But as time passes, a mysterious force begins to convince them that it will be impossible for them to realize their personal legend. None of what the old man was saying made much sense to the boy, but he wanted to know what the mysterious force was. The merchant's daughter would be impressed when he told her about that. 
It's a force that appears to be negative, but actually shows you how to realize your personal legend. It prepares your spirit and your will, because there is one great truth on this planet. Whoever you are, or whatever it is that you do, when you really want something, it's because that desire originated in the soul of the universe. It's your mission on Earth. Even when all you want to do is travel, or marry the daughter of a textile merchant, yes, or even search for treasure, the soul of the world is nourished by people's happiness, and also by unhappiness, envy, and jealousy. To realize one's personal legend is a person's only real obligation. All things are one, and when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it. They were both silent for some time, observing the plaza and the townspeople. It was the old man who spoke first. Why do you tend a flock of sheep? Because I like to travel. The old man pointed to a baker standing in his shop window at one corner of the plaza. When he was a child, that man wanted to travel too. But he decided first to buy his bakery and put some money aside. When he's an old man, he's going to spend a month in Africa. He never realized that people are capable at any time in their lives of doing what they dream of. He should have decided to become a shepherd, the boy said. Well, he thought about that, the old man said. But bakers are more important people than shepherds. Bakers have homes, while shepherds sleep out in the open. Parents would rather see their children marry bakers than shepherds. The boy felt a pang in his heart, thinking about the merchant's daughter. There was surely a baker in her town. The old man continued, In the long run, what people think about shepherds and bakers becomes more important for them than their own personal legends. The old man leafed through the book and fell to reading a page he came to. The boy waited and then interrupted the old man just as himself had been interrupted. Why are you telling me all this? Because you are trying to realize your personal legend, and you are at the point where you're about to give it all up. I want to stop here because there's there's so much that we just we just went through. There's so much. This is like this is this is an exciting part of the of the um, story here, and there's just so much in here. Let's uh, let me just go back and try and uh, remember. <laughs> so uh, let me see. At one point in life, everything is clear. Everything is possible. So this paragraph, everything is clear and everything is possible. They are not afraid to dream and yearn for everything that they would like to see happen to them in their lives. But as time passes, a mysterious force begins to convince them that it will be impossible for them to realize their personal legend. I feel like when we're growing up, you know, when you're a kid, you can you can come out, someone can say, what do you want to be? And I, I know this one kid that he was, he was the boy that I had a girlfriend. She was the nanny to him. And how old was he? Three, four? I think he was about four, maybe, maybe six. Let's say six, five, six. And people would ask him, like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he would say, I want to be a dump truck. And of course, the adults would come in and they're just like, well, you can't be a dump truck. You know, you maybe you want to be a dump truck. And it, she would kind of like just look at them and be like, just let him be a fucking dump truck. Okay, just let him be a dump truck. He wants to be a dump truck. He can be a dump truck. Let him be a dump truck. And the, th the thing is, is that when we grow up, we have these dreams and these aspirations. But then there's a point where let's let's say this, let's say this boy grows up and maybe he hits 10 years old and someone asks him in class, say, what do you want to be when you grow up? He says, I want to be a dump truck. And then all of a sudden, everybody turns to him, laughs at him and says, you dummy, you can't be a dump truck. How are you going to be a dump truck? And then everybody laughs at him. And then guess what? Fire that was in him. It gets maybe not snuffed out, but it does get it does get covered. It gets 
suffocated. And then the next time somebody asks him, you know, what he wants to do, and then he might say, oh, I'll, I'll probably be an accountant or, you know, maybe, maybe I'll be in finance. And then everyone looks at him and says, oh, that's good. That's good. Finance is a good career to get into. But deep down, he might want to do something else. And that's the same thing with a lot of things. Maybe you just want to surf, surf the beautiful beaches around the world. It's like, what do you want to do when you grow up? I just want to go surfing. I want to go mountain biking. I knew this one couple in, in Australia in the summertime, they would go surfing. Well, I guess it was, it was all around. Um, they'd go surfing and mountain biking all around. They would just, it's all they would do. Go from Australia, all around Australia, living out of their van, go to hop over to, uh, I think it was Tasmania as well. And it's just amazing. Absolutely amazing. Now, could they have had a more quote unquote respectable career? Yeah, absolutely. But is that what they wanted? No, probably not. And so it's, it's very interesting when you're growing up and you have these dreams and these goals and these aspirations, and then all of a sudden people come along and they're just shitty about it. And then until you hide it, until you just come out with whatever people want to hear, whatever's more socially acceptable to hear. Like if I came out and I said, oh, I want to, I'm going to be a podcaster. People would be like, okay, well, just make sure you have something to fall back on. You, you, you've probably heard that many times before. I know I have. And I hate it. Or they, they give you that kind of condescending, just sound tone of voice. Oh, you want to be a podcaster? Wow. That's, um, that's, that's amazing. I think you'll do really good. I think you'll do really good at it. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next time they see, so how's the podcast going? Hmm? Oh yeah. Oh, that's good. It's good. And, uh, have you thought more about, you know, just making, making sure you have something to fall back on? Like in case the podcast doesn't work, you know, that condescending, just like people, like when you want to go after your dreams, you, when you want to go after something, when you want to do something, people expect you to be a millionaire, like tomorrow. And if you're not, then obviously you're a failure. Like my podcast is, it's not, it's not huge. It's not big. It's not big. It's not huge, but I enjoy it. And I hope that you enjoy it. And that's why I always say, you know, the, the few people that come out, come out and say, Hey, look, I just want to say, I, I listened to this and I, I loved it. I really like your, your point of view on this. Thank you for that. It's really got me thinking. Like, I love that so much. That's one of my, my biggest things. I have text messages and uh, emails and all these different things from people that when I was just talking, they would just send me a message and say, thank you so much. Because of our conversation, this happened. Because of what you said, I did this. Thank you. And it's just that has always meant so much to me. Because a lot of times I would just be talking. I would just be doing my own thing. Not really. You know, they, they would just be you know, talking, asking questions, and I'd give them my point of view. I'd tell them not what they wanted to hear, but what they needed to hear. Sometimes it was good. Sometimes it was not so good. Sometimes they'd look at me and be like, wow, you did not hold back, did you? Like, well, no, because that's not, that's not gonna, that's not where change is gonna come from. And so even though I may not be big yet, I, I enjoy doing this. Sitting here, I came back from vacation yesterday, uh, and here I am 
This is my second podcast today. And, you know, reading a book that I absolutely love. And I hope that you get something out of this. I hope that you enjoy me reading this and, you know, kind of getting my take on the book and what I get out of it. And maybe you come back and you mention something to me that I totally overlooked. But that's the thing is that people, people, as time passes, as it says here, you know, a mysterious force begins to convince them that it will be impossible for them to realize their personal legend. And it's, it's unfortunate. So let's continue here. So what else do we have here? Actually shows you a realized personal agenda. Spirit, you will because there's one great truth on whoever you are, whatever it is. It's because that desire originated from the soul of the universe. It's your mission on earth. I believe everybody has a mission of some sort. Everybody does. That if all was, if all fell apart in the world, okay, we lost electricity, we lost you know, just all technology, we lost a whole bunch, and then we had to come together as people, there everybody has something. Like I, like one of my best friends, he, uh, he is, he, he's completely different from me. We've known each other since we've, we've grown up and, you know, we have a bond like, like nothing else. And the thing is, is that he looks at me, he's like, he's like, you're one of the smartest guys that I've ever known. And the thing is, is that even though I may be smart to him, he's, he's smart in a different way. He, he has you know the amount of guns that he owns is just crazy the the um um you know he he runs like a little farm you know i i have no interest in that kind of stuff so if if everything like shit the bed and we had to re- rely on just each other well he'd be great at you know taking that kind of area of creating the farm whereas i would be kind of the person who would have the the ideas and maybe like thinking logically through ideas you know maybe we'd have someone who would have the ideas but we can't let that person with the ideas just run with their ideas so they would need someone like me to kind of hey let me think this through and then go through all the scenarios and say okay this idea is good this idea is not everybody's smart in some way and so everybody has a mission in 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 life but the thing is is that people get into these situations where they're a dental assistant they're a nurse they are a whatever they are they're a teacher but that's not necessarily their mission because they just took a job. A lot of people will just take a job just because they it pays well and it's pretty easy to get into. That's really what like a lot of people and how they choose their careers. They just think, okay, what do I want to do? Uh, being a dentist is hard. Uh, being a dental assistant, well, that's much easier. I could do that. And it pays pretty good. Okay, I'll be a dental assistant. And then that's, that's how they go. And some people will say, oh, being a nurse, it's a little hard. Maybe I won't be a nurse. Maybe I'll... Uh, what else can I be? And they'll choose something else. And this is just something that I that I see a lot of times. It's like, why not be the dentist? Yeah, it is hard. Uh, but maybe that's more of your passion. And maybe you will enjoy the the hardness of it. And it will be more fulfilling to you rather than just saying, hey, this is easy to get into and it pays pretty good. I'm going to take that. So we have all these people who are doing these jobs and these things that it's, it's not necessarily their mission. I'm not saying that what I do right now with my job is my mission, but it for me it's a mission because I'm using it to fulfill another another thing for me. Jobs for me are they they have a certain purpose and say save money, invest money, make money, all that kind of stuff. Whatever it is that I want to do, the job has a sole purpose. Is it forever? No, but it is for the time being. So let's see here. So I'm happy to generally see you want something universe both silence. Time. So this baker, uh, this the old man pointed to a baker standing in his shop window at one corner of the plaza. When he was a child, he wanted to travel too, 
but he decided first to buy his bakery and put some money aside. When he's an old man, he's going to spend a month in Africa. This right here is is basically how everybody is, is that they, they, they're just working and they're just thinking about retirement. And you'll actually, you can actually go back a few episodes and why retirement is a joke. And I talk about this and people just have this idea of retirement, of doing nothing. And the thing is, is that doing nothing is only so much fun and it only lasts for so long. That's why you'll see a lot of people who retire, they actually go and find another job. And the reason being is because they have no purpose and they have no reason to live. That's why a lot of people who actually do retire, a lot of times they, they die pretty fast shortly after because they have no purpose. They have no hobbies. We are, are purpose-driven beings that we need some sort of purpose. Like doing nothing, like after a super long day and you're exhausted of doing something, yeah, it's great to just be on a beach, crack a beer and just lay in the sun and do nothing. But do that the next day and the next day and the next week and the next month and the next year. Do that. See see how much you enjoy it. You, you won't. You'll get bored very fast because we are purpose-driven beings. And I, I work in a job right now where we work, we make good money. We are union, we are unionized. And what I hate about the union, not necessarily for myself, but I just, I think it, it one, it drives lazy people because you can just, you just hire on and you just do the job. You're just a potato. You just sit there and you're just a potato. And if you hired on before me, you're more senior than me. But it doesn't mean you're better at the job than me. It just means that you're, you've been around longer. Big whoop. But the thing is, is that let's say he hired on before me and he's only worked in this little town over here. But then I come along a year or two later and I hire on, but I've got, I then get experience in the bigger city, in the bigger terminals, in different places. And I'm a far, I'm far better at the job and I have different qualifications. He's still senior to me. And so I believe that the union should actually have a way of being able to, if you do good and you're more qualified, you can actually raise your seniority level. That's what I believe. Because if, if people just come in and they just sit there like a potato, then you know they don't want to leave and they're afraid to leave. And they think, oh, I can't leave this job. I can never leave this job because of my seniority. And it's like, who cares? Like, honestly, who cares? Because if you do go off and you do travel, well, you'll probably totally forget about your seniority and you're going to miss out on the life that you want to live. And that's what the, that's what it's talking about with this baker is that he never realized that people are capable at any time in their lives of doing what they dream of. He just waited until he was an old man to go to Africa for a month and that was it. And then, well, he should have became a shepherd. Well, he thought about that, but bakers are more important people than shepherds. This is so, so true in today's world. It said, parents would rather see their children marry bakers than shepherds. So this is, I, I've talked about this many times. I can't remember what podcast I've talked about, but I will share it again, is that when I was in Australia, I was working this job, I was dating this girl, and I was a bicycle courier. I was delivering food for this company and out of Brisbane, Australia, and I, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was just coming to a new country. Just, I didn't need a job that had to pay well. I could really just pick whatever I wanted to do. And I found this job. I was like, this looks really cool. I want to do it. And I did it. But I always, and I was the happiest that I'd ever been. I've never experienced true happiness like that. And 
I was just on top of the world, just loving life. Just out there, the beautiful weather of Australia. I was debt free. I was just, you know, had money. I was just living life. And I was working a job that I chose to work, not because I had to work it. And so the <laughs> the boyfriend of the mothers, of the mothers, yeah, of the mother asks me or says to me, says, you're so much more than delivering pizzas. Like, what are you doing? And I thought it was so interesting that all he saw was my status, which was my job, but he didn't see my happiness. He didn't see how this, where I was in life, how it made me feel. But all he was worried about was my status. Was it a forever job? No. But it was an amazing experience where I met amazing people, where I then went on to traveling with some one of my uh, amazing friends going to Nepal. And that was then an experience that had changed me forever. That whole, and one of these days I'll, I'll share that story. But it, it, it was very interesting. You know, parents would rather see their children marry bakers than shepherds. Even though the shepherd could be the best person in the world, it's all about the status. And it's such a, it's such a, such a sad thing, unfortunately. Very, very sad. So let me just see. I might actually just leave it here because we are actually, you know, there's a little bit more, a little bit more and we'll leave it at the next one. So because you are trying to realize your personal legend and you are at the point where you're going to give it all up and that's when you always appear on the scene, not always in this way, but I always appear in one form or another. Sometimes I appear in the form of a solution or a good idea. At other times, at a crucial moment, I may make it easier for things to happen. There are other things I do too. But most of the time, people don't realize I've done them. The old man related that the week before, he had been forced to appear before a miner and had taken the form of a stone. The miner had abandoned everything to go mining for emeralds. For five years, he had been working a certain river and had examined hundreds of thousands of stones looking for an emerald. The miner was about to give it all up, right at the point when, if he were to examine just one more stone, just one more, he would find his emerald. Since the miner had sacrificed everything to his personal legend, the old man decided to become involved. He transformed himself into a stone that rolled up to the miner's foot. The miner, with all the anger and frustration of his five fruitless years, picked up the stone and threw it aside. But he had thrown it with such force that it broke the stone it fell upon. And there, embedded in the broken stone, was the most beautiful emerald in the world. People learn early in their lives, what is their reason for being, said the old man, with a certain bitterness. Maybe that's why they give, a, give up on it so early too, but that's the way it is. The boy reminded the old man that he had said something about hidden treasure. Treasure is uncovered by the force of flowing water, and it is buried by the same currents, said the old man. If you want to learn about your own treasure, you will have to give me one-tenth of your flock. What about one-tenth of my treasure? The old man looked disappointed. If you start out by promising what you don't even have yet, you'll lose your desire to work toward getting it. The boy told him that he had already promised to give one-tenth of his treasure to the gypsy. Gypsies are experts at getting people to do that, sighed the old man. In any case, it's good that you've learned that everything in life has its price. This is what the warriors of the light try to teach. The old man returned the book to the boy. Tomorrow, at this same time, bring me a tenth of your flock, and I will tell you how to find the hidden treasure. Good afternoon. And he vanished around the corner of the plaza. All right, guys, I'll leave it at that. We will take up sooner, probably sooner than the last time I had to put one together, and we're sitting at 19%. So 
we could probably do this in about uh, 10 episodes, maybe. So uh, not too shabby. But anyways, uh, there's a lot to this book. And I hope that you got something out of this episode and I hope you enjoyed it. Let me know. Unplugged Freedom on Instagram. Unplugged Freedom on Telegram. And I do have a YouTube channel. You can check it out. But I don't post much on there. I had a lot of uh, strikes and stuff. So uh, kind of annoying, obviously. But uh, hey, that's what happens when you speak the truth, right? You are censored and banned. So unpluggedfreedom.com is uh, yet to come. <laughs> I don't even know what it'll be. But uh, yeah. Anyways, you can always message me. Let me know what you thought. Uh, did I miss something? Did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? Uh, whatever it is. Anyways, I hope you got something out of it. Take care. Nathan, Unplugged Freedom.